Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me at the BioSteel Center in a The Athletic zip-up hoodie, looking very fly. Eric Kareem. Eric, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm just great, Blake. How are you? I'm good. Can I just point out the resolve that your hair has? You came in this morning, and you you were wearing a toque outside. Yeah. Your hair was very flat. I had never seen it that flat. And it yeah. has regained all of its volume over the last hour. I'd like to thank, uh, thank my grandfather, uh, Chaim Tannenbaum. Uh, Real name? No gimmicks? That's, I mean, he's deceased he's been deceased for quite some time but uh I've heard, there's a story about him that my grandmother sometimes tells about how he would go into a barber shop and like his hair was so thick that like it would break combs and then they would like yell at him not to come back to the barber shop because it was costing them money i don't think my hair is that thick but it definitely has as you said resolve to it and it comes from him i think i've never gotten that with my hair i do have very thick hair uh, mine's also straight which may be a little easier to manage yeah. uh, i have had barbers complain when they trim my beard though yeah well <laughs> next time that happens uh yeah that's happening soon yeah it's, it's a lot right now yeah i had to get rid of mine on on the weekend which wasn't nearly as long as yours uh but just the mustache was just driving me crazy yeah i see i trim my mustache when yeah. i'm growing it out like this for, yeah. the, for the this, this visual everybody. yeah this visual on audio medium uh, i have a very thick beard right now um it doesn't look good it's it's coming uh, off I, I can confirm that yeah some people disagree some people have like started touching it a lot which is the main reason i'm gonna no trim yeah. it, i think i could see that being a big problem for you and it would be for yes, me too i'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big not fan of human contact yeah like just give me a heads up yeah, don't and, and like it's one thing to touch it because it's like thick and bushy. It's another to like try to run your fingers through it no, it's because crazy. it's thick enough that like yeah. I'm losing food in it. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's you're really gonna... it's really weird that Kyle Lowry's been doing that. No, not Kyle Lowry. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> okay, we should talk about the Toronto Raptors at some yeah. point. Uh, it was a funny practice today. We're recording this on Monday. It'll go up on Tuesday morning probably. Uh, pretty light-hearted practice. The Raptors coming off a win against the Los Angeles Lakers where everything went very much to form. They started better than they had in recent games. Uh, short of a couple small pushes, they were up low double digits most of the game. Uh, none of the, Neither of the stars played in the fourth quarter. You know, eight different guys hit threes. There was a lot of good vibes. And then at the end, with the win, uh, it clinches Dwayne Casey uh, an all-star coaching berth, which Dwayne Casey claims to not care about, but it's probably pretty nice. For him and, and for the coaching staff anyway. So a little lighter here. Uh, also, Fred Van Vliet had a child this morning. Uh, so there was some good CJ Miles parenting advice. Congratulations to Fred Van Vliet. Muzzle tough. Yeah. Um, CJ Miles passing on that fatherly advice was, was pretty funny. Yeah. CJ Miles was a quote machine today. Yeah. yeah. I think his bet on Jonas Valanciunas was the favorite thing. Uh, yeah. Too much in that big science, too much in that formula. If yeah. there's anything else, the, the gym might explode. Yeah. Too much in the formula. He also, <laughs> um, he also said, basically, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, but in a way that is more statistically accurate and, and like more factually accurate. He said... Um, it's never going to go in until you shoot it. Which, you know, if you say you miss 100% of the shots that you can't take, well, you also miss 0% of the shots you cannot lose that you don't take. If yeah. you do not play. Yes, this is a better one where you cannot win if you don't <laughs> at least take that yeah, shot. I so. just, you know, 
Shoot, shoot. Uh, yeah, and just Miles redeeming the big science nickname, which yeah. never made a lick of sense and still really doesn't. But at, at least. It makes a lot more sense yeah, now. Yeah, at least there's like a, an anecdote to go with it. Uh, anyway. Yeah, shout out to Drake in absentia for both of the first two Welcome to Toronto games. Yeah, people were like asking me, why isn't Drake at Drake Night? It's not Drake Night. Like, it's, it's Drake. Drake night. Themed evening. It's OVO night, if yeah. you want to say that instead, but, like, but like, we, OVO is just Drake. Yeah, but we had like proper Drake nights in the past. Yeah. Those no longer seem to be happening, and they've been replaced by this. So there is a new standard of him not showing up. Yeah, I did think it was weird for him to not show up to the first. I, was, I, know I called it. Yes. I was, he uh, also said it ahead yeah. of time. Um, so, but I called it. I <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he doesn't need to be there for all of them. Uh, he did release two new tracks, and so I thought my prediction was going to be right that a new album was dropping the morning of the first uh, Welcome Toronto. Yeah. I just nope. don't think he needs that push. You know? I just think it, it, he doesn't need it. It yeah. would just be cool for the city. It's yeah. like it's a cool day and moment for the city then if Drake has new music and the Raptors have a big game. Maybe it's going to happen at a different game. Maybe it's Tuesday with Wiggins. Yeah. Is that, that one also? No, I don't think it's... Uh... There's another one in February, in early February. It might be maybe the Celtics game. I don't know. Anyway, there's another one coming up. So, okay. Um, oh, yeah, the, the Timberwolves game is not in February. No, so, we're still in January, the yeah. month that will not end. It will not. It's. Uh, I came in today and I asked Doug Smith how he's doing. He said he's all right. And I... Point out to Doug that on January 29th, that is probably the best case scenario. <laughs> I'm all right. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a funnier, lighter practice. Um, not a ton going on. Did, what did you? Dwayne Casey says some, some interesting things about the the team's three point shooting and what their goals are for the second half of the season as they pertain to three point shooters and uh, role player contributors in general. And um, you know, part of that stems from their performance in the clutch on offense which reared its head again Friday against Utah. Uh, it's something you wrote about last week, and then I followed up on after the Utah loss. Uh, are you encouraged by Dwayne Casey over the last two days, you know, owning that they've struggled in those situations? Or that they can't, they, like, I think this is the first time I can remember Casey saying, we can't play this way, instead of saying things like, well, we have Kyle and DeMar, they're going to shoot the shots in the clutch. Yeah, it's better than the alternative, certainly. Uh, we don't want to hear... More talk of dying on hills. But we have heard that. Yeah, I, I know. We don't want to hear more. We don't want to hear more. This is a yeah. novel response, yeah. uh, even relative to earlier in the season. Yeah, and um, it's it's really important for this team to get in the groove of playing a reasonable facsimile of the way they play uh, in the first 43, 44 minutes, uh, as they do in the final four minutes of close games. And I think what we've seen in a lot of those crunch times is like a clear, a pretty clear case of reversion. And it even came up with uh, with CJ Miles talking about Jonas Valanciunas today uh, when he said, and this wasn't the first time this was mentioned, but Jonas had a wide open corner three, uh, I believe. Which possession was it on against Utah? It was, was with it under a where, minute left. Was it the one where Demar missed the thirteen footer, or it was it might the... have been the one before the jumper against Rubio? Okay. Because although I mean, there were four key offensive possessions late, yeah, and I, I I'm mixing up anyway, the order of them because there was one. There was used... an ATO that they got two Jonas free throws yes. out of, and then so maybe it was the one. Before and then they that. ran a two-one pick. Yeah, I think the it was one that ended because then they was ran that the, the one that ended in roll. Kyle launching a thirty-five foot yes, three-pointer. That's the one JV passed. Um, the, 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 yeah, and that one with like 
Lowry shot that with like seven or eight seconds left on the clock. Yeah. Anyway, um, Miles' point, and the thing I sort of I, I asked him about is, do people get too comfortable in their roles in crunch time? Like, like it's fine to take chances when the game isn't on the line, but when it's a one-possession game and it's the final minute or the final two minutes, does C.J. Miles become the shooter? And does Jonas Valanciunas become the screen-setter and roller? And does DeMar DeRozan become the guy who's taking the shot no matter what? And, and I think Miles' answer was basically, yes, that can happen. Mm-hmm. We have to play with more freedom and, and do different things so that doesn't happen. Now, that's on everybody. It's on the coaching staff. It's on the guy making the decision. Most of the time, that could and I mean, it should be DeRozan, I, I would say. Yeah, like the, it's going to be DeRozan the ball, a lot. It's yeah, just maybe the, not 45% yeah, of the time you, he's, like, he's, he's taking the shot. Yeah, like that is just a... It's a matter of finding different ways to get him the ball and him making different decisions when the defense reacts to it as, as it did uh, against Utah, and we've seen it in other games. So, it, I mean... Short answer, it's encouraging, but, you know, talk is talk and action is action, and we'll be uh, a lot more copacetic about this, I'm sure, when we start to see the results of it paying off. But, hey, two and a half months left in the season, so it's fine. Look at you saying when, not if. No, you know me, eternal optimist. Yeah, so that was, I think that was the big thing everyone walked away from Friday. I, I know... That the team was saying otherwise. Kyle Lowry was saying it's just one game, like we're not going to get mad about it. Um, Dwayne Casey was saying he's more concerned about the starts, but you know the starts have been fine. They're a good first quarter team at this point, and they're despite everything that it feels like they're a good third quarter team. Yeah. Um, but they're an elite fourth quarter team until the game gets into the clutch, yeah. and then they're bad. They're twenty third in net rating in clutch situations. Defined as plus or minus five within the last five minutes or overtime, which yes is kind of an arbitrary evaluation mm-hmm. of clutch. I would love to throw a win probability percentage on that so we could see, you know, games Guys, that are you within... You should see how giddy Blake is yeah, like, right now. like, if we could attach a win probability to that where clutch is defined as anything where, you know, the win probability is between 40 and 60 in the last X amount of time or something like that. Yeah, um, well, you go work on, on uh, getting that done. I cannot. You, you saw the mess of a expected three-point percentage. Yeah, everybody was talking about me, that. Uh, it's... Yeah, all the players that were like, "That's stupid. <laughs> that's, you, you suck." That is that work is not thorough enough. Yeah, we need the the starters drop. We suck. We're idiots. Um, but yeah, like the 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 Raptors and the Clutch have not been good, nope. and this is not necessarily. And you can and like you pointed out in your piece, it is kind of new in the regular season. That yeah. has not always been the case. Yeah, they've been a top ten offense each of the last yeah. three years in clutch scenarios. And and my favorite, I think my favorite thing about the Utah game is that in the last two minutes report on the DeRozan shot that led up to the Rubio three, he they actually called a foul. Like yeah. they said, there should have been a foul, which would, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And also the possession earlier, down. Lowry got called for a foul, and they said that shouldn't have been a foul. Yeah. So now this is just, where Dwayne Casey's point will come in. Where had they not started so poorly and got in a ten or twelve point hole early on, yeah. and then also let them back in once they got up twelve, you know, none of that stuff would yeah, have mattered. No, no, no. And it's one of the things I think at this point everyone dislikes the last two minute reports, but it's. I have a real issue with them because I I think in general I do a good job being nice to people on Twitter and deal and answering questions and stuff. The referee conspiracy theories I can't yeah. handle. 
though, and like I even tweeted after the Utah game, like, oh well, the NBA's pro Utah agenda is clearly showing again, <laughs> yeah. and people were responding to it like it was a serious thing, and like wow. the NBA actually prefers Utah to win over the Raptors. The Jazz don't even prefer Utah to win over the Raptors. They don't care. <laughs> Utah's the most non like they would be the most neutral team in terms of agenda. Just no one would bother with them. Right. Salt Lake sells something. Yeah, I mean, Donovan Mitchell. I also, so I tweeted during the game that I would love to see Donovan Mitchell in the dunk contest. Yeah. And someone, and a Jazz fan responded. He's like, they would never give us that kind of respect. The league doesn't <laughs> care about Utah. Like, Jeremy Evans participated in back-to-back dunk contests, and Donovan Mitchell is like a rookie of the year candidate who plays an incredibly exciting brand of basketball. Like, if they're going to give you Jeremy Evans twice... They'll give you Donovan Mitchell. I think what we've learned is the NBA is just a league with 26 fan bases that have inferiority complexes. I'd go all the way to 30. And then, like, four have the opposite of uh, inferiority complexes. I'd, I'd just believe they deserve everything all Ex-feriority. the time. Exferiority. Yeah. That's the opposite of inferiority, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. You know, Golden State thinks the league's against them because they're too good and the league needs to slow them down. And yeah, Cleveland fair. thinks that... The league's against them because, you know, they want Golden State to be this dynasty. And yeah. it, just, it all just trickles from there. Yeah. Um, by the way, Donovan Mitchell was put in the in the uh, point guard skills uh, challenge thing instead of the dunk contest. Can't which can't believe is a that huge still You know, they need a third event. Yeah. But no one, I've never talked to anyone who cares about anything other than the dunk contest and three-point contest. Yeah. I think the only year that the skills challenge was interesting was the year in Toronto, in Toronto when yeah. it was the first year with a big man bracket. Yeah, and, and a small bracket. And Towns won, right? And so. everybody like mobbed him. All the big men mobbed him yeah. for beating. I think it might have been Isaiah. I'm not sure now. Yeah. Anyway. This yeah, something like that. Anyway, a big beat, a small. Yeah. And yeah, that that dunk contest too. I've been talking to people about the 2011 dunk contest, and invariably the Levine Gordon dunk contest comes up. Trying to talk about a dunk contest five years prior. Yeah, that was the greatest All Star Saturday. I mean. I was there, so it was different. But, like, no part of that All-Star Saturday, including, as Alex Wong noted, walk the moon, disappointed. It was just a (laughs) thrill ride from start to finish. Um, Also, yeah, and you could say that about more than just a Saturday night because, like, even the game, which is always, like, a certain kind of way, like, it was Kobe's last game. Yeah. So there was that cool moment and some cool Kobe Bryant stuff going on in that game, and I think it was close-ish until the last bit. This year's game might be... More interesting since the winners now get a hundred thousand dollars. Ooh! Look, man, that's that's like six fines for yeah, criticizing the officials. Yeah, Demarca got two of his fines back. Yeah, or like <laughs> some money for technicals, or you know, that's twenty technical fouls. If if Demarcus Cousins yeah, first were still in the game, yeah. Um, so no. if there wasn't enough incentive already for Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry to want to beat Dwayne Casey, yeah, uh, there's a lo- there's been a lot of trash talk already. Yeah, it'll it'll be fun for. Yeah. That was there. I, I still fear it's just going to devolve into yeah. what it usually does. And if yeah. it's close at the end, they'll try a bit harder. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so the other thing about the Toronto one, too, was um, that was also a very good G League dunk contest. Yes. And it was also a very good celebrity game with Drake coaching. Yes. I had to, Toronto Life had hired me to write a, I believe it was like a, a running diary of that game. I was very, I did a, like a proper post game, like I treated it yeah. like I would a Raptors game, and I was not super kind about some of Drake's decisions until <laughs> the end game scenario, and I yeah. thought Drake found himself a little bit. Also, 
scrumming up with Jason Sudeikis is like <laughs> still the weirdest. It's probably the weirdest person I've interviewed as part of this job or any. Yeah. Jason yeah. Sudeikis. He's uh he's just a charming, handsome man. Not a bad baller. He was. He had a good game. Yeah. yeah. We've uh we've lost the plot here. Blake. That's fine. Who cares? It's a, <laughs> There's not look. There, we've talked. About, we both wrote about the one big issue hanging over the team right now. Yeah. So it's not as if, you know, people. If they're listening to this podcast, they probably read at least the free two or three paragraphs at the top <laughs> of the stories we both wrote about it. Uh, so, um, yeah. Well, Didn't you get the response to one of them? Like, hey, I want to read this, but I don't want to. Yeah. yeah, read this. Yeah, he, he was nice afterward. Yeah. After I said, "What do you want me to do about this?" Yeah. Uh, what else? What else? We should talk about right trades now. No? We should talk about trades. That's the other thing. That's the whole reason we're doing this. Yeah. Well, the I mean, whole we reason. do it because I would feel panicky about not doing a weekly podcast <laughs> in its weekly slot. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, the trade deadline is next Thursday. Uh, I wrote back in mid-December, I kind of outlined all the financial reasons. It was fairly unlikely the Raptors would make a trade. And they uh, remain the same. They are very tight to the luxury tax, depending on how likely you think some of the unlikely bonuses in contracts for Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are. Uh, Kyle Lowry, you know, hurting the team by making the All-Star game because now his $200,000 All-Star bonus is more likely to connect. He still has to hit a couple other criteria. Do you think Dwayne was like, he was making the calls for him and then Masai was secretly calling off of the coaches? I think Bobby Bobby was making those calls, Bobby Webster. Don't vote Uh, for him. He needs to rest. We can't afford it. I would also bet that, um, you know, Okay, I, I was going to say that Bobby Webster petitioned the league to have Serge Ibaka suspended for that one game because the Raptors get a tax credit. But, like, uh, I don't even want to joke because, like, obviously Bobby would not do that. But, yeah. yeah, you know, there are small traces of benefit in a situation like that. Like, you get $67,000 tax credit. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> if I'm wrong, the Raptors... Oh. I'm just going to go ahead and correct Eric ahead of time. He's wrong. Well, Eric collects himself here. The Raptors cannot exceed $125.3 million yeah. total at they any point. They can't go over the apron no matter what. Not with their trade of player exceptions. Not if they make a trade and then someone gets injured and they need to sign a replacement. Yeah. For no reason can you go over that. And additionally, they cannot add a salary that is bigger than the difference of all of the possible scenarios in terms of uh, like bonuses. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, like they, they have so to assume everybody every will hit dollar their bonus. of every dollar of unlikely bonus counts as money yeah. um, toward the hard cap. So basically what you're looking at is four and a half million ish yeah. is what you could add in salary. If and you should, also so. have to keep in mind that if you do a two for one or a three for one deal or something like that, you have to have fourteen players on the roster at all times. So you would then also have to sign someone to a minimum. So um, I will refresh the piece at some point next week uh, that I did in mid-December and go over some of those financial scenarios but yeah you can't you know four and a half million is probably the most the Raptors could add and that's only really in a one for one flip which seems unlikely I think in or they can take it into the trade exception if they want to yes yeah they're cool just like paying tax on top of it and having a 15th man yeah they could use the Corey Joseph trade exception for that and then that Damari Carroll trade exception, which is going to look really nice from like July 1st to July 8th when it's usable, or whatever the moratorium uh, end like date 12th is. Or 13th or yeah. so. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's like a week after the moratorium. Yeah. They can, they can use it. Um, so that's that'd be a useful chip. So what we're saying is it's unlikely the Raptors are going to make a trade. Yes, but. Saying that. If they make a trade, 
Let's Eric, see. you have some ideas. Yeah, I think the first name that came to a lot of people's minds right now is Tyreek Evans. Yeah. Just because he, I mean, he's making $3.3 million only for this season. He Also, mostly because I think Nate Jones is trying to will it into existence. Yeah, he, he is. But he's not the only person I've heard yeah. say that name. It's because Tyreek Evans is really good. Yeah, he, he's, a, I believe, a 39% three-point shooter this year, but he gives you... He, like I wrote in my piece, he's like sort of like... If Norm Powell were having a good season and the type of growth that you want to see from him. Yeah, like Evans is 6'6", six, six, yeah. 220. He's not like a plus defender at any spot, but he has played three different positions yeah. over the course of his career. He's got some good length. And not only is he shooting 39% on threes this year, this is like a three-year pattern now um, where over the last three seasons he shot 37.9% on over four threes a game. So this isn't a one-year spike either. Like Tyreek Evans is at least a moderately effective shooter. Yeah, so you don't if you trade for him, you don't get his bird rights. Um, Which is also why Memphis is maybe more willing yeah. to trade for him than some other teams are with some other expansion. So you have to consider what that's going to cost. And, I mean, short answer is we don't know. But, you know, if you're the Raptors and you dangle, you know, Lucas Nogueira and a second rounder, does that get it done? Mm. I don't think so. But I think there will. I I think there will be a first round, like a late first rounder on the table for him at some point. Yeah, I think I think in a lot of these scenarios, you're looking at what does Nogueira in a 2019 second get you? The Raptors can't trade their 2019 first because their 2018 first is owed, and the step in rule um, doesn't allow you to trade your first round pick in back to back years. That's from the Damari Carroll trade, by the way. Um, and I don't know if they'd be willing to trade their 2020 pick because that's kind of the transition year that they've set up um, given the window that they've signed all these guys to like that pick might be it might it'll probably be a late first still in 2020 but it might be a pick that is a player that starts the next group of guys yeah and I think you know a point that a few people have made to me is like the east might never be this open yeah so do you I mean I think that has to affect their thinking a little bit but this is a front office that I think comes from a place of relative conservatism. There are two draft; they have a two draft pick deficit already yeah. uh, in terms of their first and second this year. Uh, the counter to that, I will say, is and, and I get it, and I would be hesitant were I a GM to go further into a draft pick deficit. Um, you could purchase a second round pick, like the, like prove the, it. Who Jordan who, Bell no, for three point five yeah. million? The Raptors have five point one million they could use to spend into the draft to buy into the draft yeah. in two thousand eighteen or whenever. The other thing is they've done a pretty good job identifying non draft talent. Like yeah. maybe when you don't have a second, you find another Fred Van Vliet and just be like, hey, maybe you suggest the teams don't draft me in the back half of the second round, <laughs> and then you're a free agent and you come in. Yeah. Um, so I think. I think it's uh, that's and that I'm not like belittling that worldview. I think the East is as open as it's going to be right now, probably, and it is worth taking the shot. But that doesn't mean you go out and overpay for a piece that might not even crack your rotation. And, and that's sort of that's what, that's the big thing. Yeah. Is I'm a hundred percent. And I, I wrote in a mailbag recently at Raptors Republic. Like someone asked me, I got two separate questions. Do you think the Raptors will make a trade? And would you, do you want the Raptors to make a trade? And yes, I want them to. The window is open. If you could add a piece, I think these trade-offs, lose, you know how fond I am of Bebe, but yeah. if you have to lose him, 
and, and two months of him in his restricted free agent rights to get someone else, I get it. If you have to lose a second round pick, you could buy it back. Like, second round picks are food stamps. Yeah. Like they're not that big a deal that you can't buy one back or try to land someone undrafted. Um, the issue is what your piece is talking about is like you don't do that for a guy who is not going to play for you. Yeah, I'm not like if he's your if he comes in and he's just upgrading Alfonso McKinney in the 13th man role, it's not worth it. I'm not paying a player for a situation like a situational player. Right. Like, so I, I'm paying for somebody who's playing at least like 15 minutes a game minimum because right. if not what's the point which is weird to say because like you you still kind of have to think that at some point Norman Powell is playing yeah like like maybe Norman Powell I hate this I hate when people describe it like this but like you know maybe Norman Powell is your trade deadline acquisition because yeah. he starts playing for no you. I thought about that in that context this morning too. yeah so like you know that person I think that's the line like would you rather play this person over Norman Powell if yeah. someone gets hurt or someone in the ten man rotation starts to struggle? So on that on that note, I came up with like three very good shooters, like Luke Babbitt, Joe Harris, Doug McDermott, all like, you know, up near forty or over forty, but they're not playing over Powell in my mind. Right. Am, am I wrong? Who were the three names again? Babbitt, Harris, and McDermott. Yeah, Harris. Harris, Mitt. Harris definitely isn't. McDermott, only if the Raptors draw the Raptors in the first round. <laughs> then you'd play him 48 minutes. Um, Babbitt is the most interesting of those names, I think, because he's also got size. Yeah. Um, and, like, he's, again, another guy who's not a good defender, but he has defended multiple positions. Um, whereas I think he's a little bigger than McDermott, um, at least, or he plays a little bigger than McDermott defensively. Um, anyway, I don't, yeah, like, none of those Another names, former Raptors killer. Yeah. None of those names are guys that I'm like. They, like you already have CJ Miles, too, yeah, who, who already isn't does, playing who enough. Already doesn't yeah. close games and isn't playing enough. So, you know, there are maybe there aren't diminishing returns to the spacing you can have in a final on a final possession. But like, yeah, I don't think you're giving up a, a pick and a player to match salary for. You know, hey, we're down seven. Throw this guy in and get yeah. out. So with that in mind, I have like two realistic targets who. I think it's worth kicking the tires on, and, and they're at different positions. Uh, Troy Daniels in Phoenix, he's at 41.4% this year from he deep, and he's uh, he's been there for a while. Like He's in that range. I think he's established himself as yeah. that type of shooter. And Jonas Jerebko, who's making $4 million, he's signed for next year. And Utah, like that's a pretty good deal. Utah might not want to trade it. Yeah, um, I think I think Jerebko's deal, too, is not fully guaranteed. Mm. Uh, for next year, which makes it an even bigger uh, yeah. value. Daniels does have a salary for next year. I think it's about $3.5 million, mm-hmm. which might cause the Raptors some pause. Um, yeah, Eurebko's salary for next year is not guaranteed until July 9th. Okay. So the Jazz, the fact that they're, I think, only four games out of a playoff spot, um, they have the easiest f- schedule from here of any teams fighting for those West spots. Um, the teams ahead of them look varying degrees mm-hmm. of... The Pelicans have... yeah. You know, a so good thing to figure out. On to- so when you factor all that in, the fact that Urebko is basically the backup center now, and he has that flexible salary trade chip heading into the offseason, I don't think. Yeah. In- unless the Jazz ha- like lose four in a row before the deadline, you know, I don't. I don't think Urebko is going to be available. Yeah. So uh, I mean, my big my big point is it's not worth spending any assets on a guy who's not, right. like, as you said, beating out Norman Powell or or is just coming in for. You know, shooting insurance, right. basically. So, which don't get me wrong, they could use. It, it, it would just, be nice, but in, I, I wouldn't spend on it. Yeah, 
Uh, also, so, you know, I don't think MLSC will think this way because I think they'll trust if Masai and Bobby make a move that it's it's worthwhile. Yeah. But, you know, adding $4 million of your Repco salary also comes with a tax yeah. hit on top of that. So. so saying that, the three guys I'm looking at are Evans, Urebco, and Daniels. I would kick the tires on them, but yeah. for the reasons we've mentioned, I'm not wholly optimistic yeah. that things will get done. I think, yeah, I think I would rank them in likelihood, uh, Daniels, Evans, Urebco, in the likelihood that those teams would trade those players available. for what yeah. the Raptors can offer. Um, and again, whether or not the Raptors, Daniel's salary for next year is small, and he's a nice piece. Uh, I don't know if the Raptors, with the offseason they have ahead of him, want to take on any. Yeah, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, like that, he's playing. He's six four, and you're playing Van Vliet and Wright less. Like yeah. somebody has to lose. And Norm Powell's not sniffing the rotation yeah, anywhere. Yeah, and you know the Raptors won't think like this in a playoff series where every minute is so high leverage, but. You know, you also have to keep in mind that part of the benefit of the extension Norman Powell was signed to, and, you know, this wasn't the reason they signed him to this extension because they like Norman Powell and believe in him, but having a $10 million contract entering an offseason where you might need to make some moves and you might want to add and your financial flexibility opens up because there's no longer hard cap, you, you there is some incentive to keep Norman Powell's value somewhere above zero. Yeah. So... You know, maybe even if Troy Daniels were to be available at a good price, you know, they want Norman Powell getting those minutes if a guard goes down or if, you know, someone starts to struggle. And it's the playoffs, so Powell would be great. In game fives. <laughs> Norman Powell is the game is the opposite to game fives is what all Raptors are to game ones. <laughs> it's uh It's proven. It's, okay. It's factual. So outside of the trade front, because we both seem to skeptical that'll happen. I do think those are the names to look at. Like, yeah, did I miss a anybody? Few, like, a few people have asked me about Bellinelli and Ilya Silva. Well, I didn't mention them. There's, for there's the, just yeah. really not a way to make the money work. You'd have to send out two of the the back end guys, maybe even three. Yeah, like, and then you'd also have to sign someone to to make yeah. up that roster spot. An, an and they both make six million yeah. or six million and change in in Bellinelli's yeah. case. So trade exceptions, just as a reminder, cannot be used with other players. Yeah, you can't combine in them. a in a trade. And like you, so, you can't be like Bebe plus three million dollars of yeah. a trade exception for Marco Bellinelli. Now, what you could work. do is trade Bebe in a separate trade somewhere uh, for say a second round pick. Yeah. I don't know if you'd get a second round pick for Bebe. Um, Lord knows you should. Yeah, yeah. So you could, you know, if you were just worried about the money, like say Bellinelli was your guy and you were wanted to make the money work. Noguera for Bellinelli doesn't work. You can't just take Bellinelli into the trade exception because you'll be over the hard cap. You could send Bebe out in one deal. It's called a non-simultaneous trade. Trade Lucas Noguera to the Hawks or to whomever for a second round pick, yeah. and then trade for Marco Bellinelli using the Corey Joseph trade exception. There are so there are scenarios. No one like nothing is impossible. It's just implausible. <laughs> that a name like Marco Bellinelli is on the table. Yeah, uh, We mentioned, uh, well, obviously what hangs over all of this is how the Raptors will look in a playoff series. Right now, they are one game behind Boston for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, which, as time goes by, looks more valuable for 
different reasons. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers only being a game and a half up on the fourth seed and still not looking particularly good. I think. Hey, I, I saw that they were smiling last night. They beat Detroit. They gave up a lot of points. They to were, Detroit. but they were smiling. Detroit, who by the way is selling Avery Bradley, who the Raptors should not be interested in, and have few means to be interested in anyway. Yeah. Plus, why would you trade for him when DeMar DeRozan already owns him? Ayo, first time I've Ayo. heard that joke today. Yeah, I had to workshop it. I had to make sure it was okay. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so the the reason that the one seed maybe looks more attractive, depending on how much faith you put in Indiana keeping things up now the Miles Turner's back, or Philly making a, a second-half push, is that, to me, there are seven teams in the Eastern Conference who I would call good, and who, you know, against any of those other seven teams would probably not be super comfortable um, playing. There, there are seven teams that are a th- legitimate threat to win a playoff series. Yeah. Whoever the eighth one is, it's going to be Indiana or Detroit, probably, maybe the Knicks. No. Yeah, they're, they're only four games out. Yeah, they're the Knicks, though. Uh, it's probably going to be Indiana or Detroit. Now, whether that ends up being the seventh seed or six yeah. or eight or whatever, Can't you know, yeah, you put yourself in the best position. So the Raptors are game back. They have a game against Boston next week. They have two more against Boston. I love games against Boston. Yeah. Um, also, I, I thought that that game was a Thursday. It's a Tuesday. For very long. It's Tuesday, yeah. So, um, Although both of us will. It's a home game Thursday, so we'll both yes. probably miss basketball. Yeah. Celtics, uh, Knicks. Back-to-back yeah. week or back-to-back, back-to-back. games. Uh, anyway, where are you at on the one seed? Dwayne Casey has talked about it like it's a priority for this team. Um, obviously, he's talked about some other things like the, the quality of means in which of they're using to win games is very important to them also. But how, how big an emphasis is the one seed over these last, what, 33 games? Yeah, it'd be good, and I'd try to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't sacrifice... 34 games. I have no idea what the record games. is. Um, like, if you, I wouldn't start playing Kyle Lowry 36 minutes a game in order to get it. That'd make you worse um, anyway. Whoa, hot takes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but, the, you know, like, what you... There are two reasons to finish number one, I think, in our minds and fans' minds. Uh, from, a, from a playoff, there are three reasons. The first one is that you have home court. There are court. five reasons and three sub-reasons. Yeah. We're just going to get more and yeah. more. The, the first here. one is you have home court advantage, which you want. Yes. There is nothing bad about having home court advantage. Except in game one of round one. Yeah, the Raptors do have more wins historically in game ones on the road than they do have yes. game ones on home. Anyway, saying that, I'm going to say it's a small sample size, and it's uh, it's better to be have as many home games as possible. The second reason is to avoid Cleveland in the second round, as we just stated. That is becoming a dicey proposition if they'll finish third, fourth, or eighth. Uh, so, or hey, maybe nine. Detroit in the next twelfth get in. <laughs> um, I think it's. I'd still bet on Cleveland finishing third. They're in third currently and are playing slightly better than they were when everybody was. Uh, well, I, and, and everybody was leaking th- things, saying they can't just turn the switch. I wonder who was leaking that. Yeah. Really impossible to read this smoke uh, smoke signs. Uh, also, there's still the trade deadline. Yeah, when they will trade for five new players, and everybody will get mad that the league is rigged. Um, so I think for that purpose, it's still best to finish first. Uh, the third thing is to play as poor of a team as possible in the first round. And I don't think finishing first will guarantee that in any way, because we just have no way of knowing how Indiana, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, 
Washington, you know, if Miami slips, which I, who knows, possible. Dion Waiters yeah. is coming back to sink him. Exactly. We don't know how those teams will finish, and like I can rank them in order of my preference, but I don't. I don't. Uh, in terms There's of also them, not but much I, of I don't, a gap for me. Like the, yeah. the gap between Indiana and Detroit, or whoever is that eighth team, and everyone else is significant for me. Yeah. I know some people like Indiana more than that, uh, yeah. or Detroit. Ryan Reggie Jackson is back, but I think you know from the context clues, Detroit's looking to sell. Yeah. So, so they might bow out of this thing. So I guess from two of those three perspectives, getting number one. Is pretty is either really important or pretty important. For one of them, it's almost meaningless. So, uh, should it be a priority? Yeah, yeah, not as much. It's, as, a, it's a very satisfying answer. Yeah, not as much of a priority as getting the playoffs healthy and winning in the proper ways. You know, yeah, do it the right way. Yeah, the right way. Um, be there for the right reasons. Yeah, we gotta wrap this up. Eric, do you have any parting shots before we uh, before we leave the people for another week? Um, I don't know. Uh, well said. Not, 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 not really. What happened on Riverdale this week? Oh, Archie's wrestling now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, we don't have enough time to unpack that. <laughs> you have thoughts? The Good Place finale this week. Coming up, yeah. yeah. Um, Some good stuff. I wasn't in love with last week's episode, but it was still good. That show's so good. Yeah. The Jason stuff was really good. Um, <laughs> that was like let's let's make a subplot for Blake. Yeah, yeah. The continued look. Every show's doing this. The Good Place has the Jaguar stuff. Riverdale now has wrestling, um, and not like the not that if, look. If anyone's listening to like if anyone cares about what we're talking about with Riverdale, they know that I mean amateur like high school wrestling, not WWE wrestling. Yeah, which um, would also be great. Yeah, huge huge fan of both of those things. Did one of them in high school. Um, at school, did one of them in high school in my backyard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's for you to figure out which. Uh, <laughs> Some of those schools have really good professional wrestling teams. Uh, by the way, I successfully managed to avoid all Royal Rumble results and spoilers until like midnight last night when Congrats. I watched it. I had nothing spoiled for me. Yeah, I heard it was... Uh, it was good. It was interesting. It was very good. The men's Royal Rumble was like, like excellent in terms of the quality of the match and the storytelling and the outcome and stuff like that. And then the Women's Royal Rumble was a cool first thing for them to have. And then yeah. Ronda Rousey showed up, which is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm predicting the Raptors are going to go 2-2 two two this week. What uh, do we got? At home Minnesota, against Minnesota? On the road against Washington, Washington? Back home for Portland? And then home for Memphis? Noon. Noon Super Bowl Day tip-off. It's probably, judging by the times, their busiest stretch of the year. Yeah. Just because that fourth game starts so early. Yeah. Three uh, three days and three games in four days has never been so tightly packed. Yeah. Well, also it's four games in six days, super tightly packed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you know, if Kyle Lowry has a mysterious injury on Sunday and then pops up in Philadelphia or in Minnesota for the he wants to go to the Super Bowl. Oh yes. Yes. Um, oh well, you know, the Raptors end the game around two thirty. Could he get to Minnesota in time? Um, Maybe for the second half? When the game will start around 6.30 or so. Like that. Uh, you charter a flight. You get to Pearson by 3.15, 3.30. Takes a takes like an hour and change to get to Chicago. Uh, so I imagine Minnesota's a bit longer than that. Let's yeah. say it's two hours. 
I think he can do it if he puts his mind to it. I, I don't know how difficult it would be to charter a plane to Minnesota on Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to be crazy. It would probably be difficult. Kyle Lowry commits zero fouls and has fouled zero <laughs> times on Sunday because he wants again to be played as fast as possible. Yeah. Well, or I'll just get the double tech right away and they'll be like, Kyle's not talking to the media today. Yeah. Is he still here? No comment. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And we will talk to you uh, next Monday or Tuesday after this four game, as Eric says, two and two. Stretch? Yes. Eric, thanks, man. Thank you. If only to be a reasonable man.